you ever have one of those moments where you know you're forgetting something, but you just can't remember? Oh, man, I just had that moment right before coming on the show, and I absolutely hate it. Hope it doesn't have anything to do with the show. (laughs) Today, I want to talk about just some simple, basic steps on investing, because I'm getting a lot of feedback from you guys that you don't even know where to start. Like you don't even know the beginnings. And so I think we should just walk through the very basics and introduction. I'm talking baby steps of that. And then also I want to talk about data. There's been, I forgot her name, that one of the doctors that is at the press conferences with Trump every every day, she was said something that a lot of people were kind of taken back by was that anyone who dies with the coronavirus present in their system has and will be counted as a coronavirus death. So if you go in, die of a heart attack, you have coronavirus, you're being counted as a coronavirus case. If you go in, you have a stroke because of coronavirus, you're getting counted as a coronavirus uh, death. And any of these, pneumonia, all those stuff. So uh, I want to talk about that from a data perspective I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. From what I understand in pathology, that is the study of these kinds of things and classifications and all that stuff, this is how it's done. But I want us to understand what that means, think about what she said, and possibly some ways that we can improve upon this because just because it's how it's always been done doesn't mean it should be done like that in the future. I mean, that's the medical field, right? There's been tons of things we've done in the past in the medical field. That we are thankful they don't do anymore. Like, you know, bleeding people. Could you imagine if we still did that for the coronavirus? All right, you're going to go in. You got the coronavirus. We're going to bleed you. That would not be pleasant. I would take my chances at home with that case. Uh, Welcome to How to Build a Tent, the podcast on how to make you successful. And hopefully it helps you laugh and gets through the day. Hopefully edifies you and builds you up. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you for listening and sharing the show. You subscribing, got a bunch of new subscribers on YouTube. I really appreciate you guys, especially on there, because I'm helping to trying to build that up. That is a great place to get the message out. So with the comments, the likes, the subscribes on YouTube really helps with the algorithm. And it's just been blast. It's starting to grow, starting to pick up. It's nothing to brag about, but it's starting to pick up. So thank you for everyone who's helped with that and joined me on that mission. You guys are like teaming up with me and helping me build my page. And so I really am thankful for that. And thankful, of course, for all those who listen on the podcast. I mean, I do not take that for granted. You guys are my bread and butter. Thousands and thousands of you listening every day. Um, It's humbling. It truly is humbling. If you have any questions, comments, you can email me, Matt, at howtobuildatent.com. Find me on all the social media sites, How to Build a Tent. Um, We're part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Feast Network. Go over to flfnetwork.com. Get a shirt. Get a 15-ounce HGBT mug. The shirt says Fight, Laugh, Feast on it. It's super comfortable. It's a great shirt. Speaking of comfortable... The shirts from our store at howtobuildatent.com are really comfortable too. But go over to flfnetwork.com, get a shirt for free, get the mug for free, get tons of great content. You get $100 off our conference that's in October. You'll get to meet me. And I'm pretty sure everyone in, on the network is going to be there and doing something. Um, so you get to meet all of us. and That's going to be a really good time. Whenever we all get together as a conference, as a network, at, usually at conferences, uh, man, it's a fun time. So don't miss it. Come join us. It'll be a really great time. I Oh, I should also say this just as an FYI before I forget. I was just talking to someone before on the show. My wife is pregnant, as a lot of you know, and it's getting around that time that she's due. So if for some reason my show's not on, 
and I'm gone for a couple days, it's going to be because of that. And I'll be back, do not worry, but it'll be because I have no sleep, I'm hallucinating because I do not do well without sleep, and I just need some time, spend some time with my family, and you know, get my head straight. Uh, but that shouldn't be for like a month or so. I'm trying not to give exact dates for all you identity theft people out there. Um, oh, which, by the way, something to think about too, since I said it, is be careful about announcing names, announcing birthdays, and any other information that would be useful for somebody to rake the internet for and to steal or to use those data points to, you know, open an account, use them credit, all those things. You don't want your kids um, to be, you know, having debt problems and identity theft problems before they're even adults. So just for our sake and just knowing, because it's not like people can access these platforms in more ways than just the interface that you see. That is, it's these people that are really good at hacking and that are programmers, they go. They don't go through the front end like you see on Facebook where you see your notifications, you th- see your wall. They go into the back end and they're the database and they are raking and combing through and trying to find data. So you just might want to be con- conscious of that, even with yourself and how what data you put out for yourself. Um, just a little tidbit, bonus material for yourself. All right, so let's just talk about investing for a second and then I want to get to the data aspect. Um, actually, no, let's do the data first because that kind of flows and I probably should edit this out, but I'm not going to, uh, yeah, that, that edits out. So this lady and I forget her name. I'm sorry. She's actually pretty solid. I like, I like her. It doesn't look like she's being political and it looks like she knows what she's talking about. She's competent and you know, that's good to have in the government every once in a while. She said that the deaths in the United States are being liberally counted in the fact that if they have other conditions and they even die from those conditions, but coronavirus is present in their body, they have tested positive for coronavirus, it's being counted as a death. Okay. And from what I understand in the pathology study and studying diseases and all that stuff, that is the typical way that you do it. And we'll get to that in a second. And then she also said that other countries are not doing it like that. That if they are in the hospital, they have a heart attack, they have a stroke, and they die, even with the coronavirus present, they are not counting it as a coronavirus death. Which means one big thing, that coronavirus deaths in the United States are going to be higher per capita than other countries. And we say per capita by, I think it's 1,000, 10,000, whatever. It's adjusted for the uh, population size because the United States is a huge population compared to other countries. Like LA is bigger than some countries. And to say like, oh, this small country has only 100 deaths and the United States, it's probably like 100 times more than that small city has 1,000 deaths. It looks bigger, but per capita adjusted for population, uh, there actually is a much smaller death rate in the United States in that scenario. But anyways, so the death rates are going to look worse in the United States. And even the cases are looking worse because we're testing more. So obviously, the more tests that you give out, the more efficient, the more effective your tests are, the more cases you're going to have. And these other countries, we're getting reports, even in Europe, in the Western countries, where their tests are worthless. 
that they're getting these tests from China even, which is ironic. And they're, they don't tell you anything. They're absolutely, they're false positives and all this stuff. So take that with a grain of salt. When you're hearing that the United States is getting more coronavirus deaths, well, it's probably because we are more liberal in our classification of what a coronavirus death is than compared to other countries. And also we are testing more people. In the beginning, we had less tests, but good old American production, ingenuity, and the private sector really started to crank out those tests. And now we are testing more people than any other country. And as you would expect, the more people you test, the more people you're going to find with the coronavirus, which is good. We want to find the people with coronavirus. We can isolate them. We can treat them and all that good stuff. So just thinking of the and data in that aspect, do not be alarmed that the United States is worse, quote unquote, than the other countries. Now, I and to me, honestly, like I probably even tweeted about this. This just seems kind of weird to me that you would do this, that you would classify somebody who had coronavirus, but then died of a heart attack and not say that it had to do with the heart attack, but it was a coronavirus death. And from what I've seen from people that are in the medical field, that that is typical of what a pathologist would do. And okay, that's fine. But I would expect that in this day and age, and with this scenario happening, which I don't know if pathology existed back in 1912, 1921, the last epidemic like this happened. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember it was back then. Uh, where it was this global, countrywide, international thing. But just because it's how it's always been done does not mean it's the right way to do it now. Obviously, like my example before of the bleeding argument. And I want to give you an example of that. So right now, we are trying to make economic decisions, policy decisions, and state decisions in municipalities, the cities, and the county level decisions on when do we go back to work? When do we allow people to go out of their homes? When do we let people travel and all of these things? Now, just having the set of data of how many deaths from coronavirus, that can be helpful and useful. But in this case, it would be far more useful as if the data we were collecting was broken down even farther. Not just if they had coronavirus present in their body, if it was the direct cause or indirect cause, of their death, that that was good death, but starting to break it down even further for us to see, yeah, this was a coronavirus death. That's all they had wrong with them. And then also having another group that you could break down and you could put this in a hierarchy. You can put total deaths and then you could have it drilled down to only had coronavirus or had a heart attack and coronavirus, had pneumonia and coronavirus, had allergies and coronavirus had um, asthma and coronavirus. And then we could start to see, because if the data shows that 80, 90% of coronavirus deaths were with pre-existing conditions or correlating, or I'm not correlating, not correlating, but um, conditions alongside the coronavirus. If we, and I don't know the numbers because I haven't seen the data. I don't think they're collecting it this way. Or they at least they haven't showed it to us. But if it was that way, wouldn't you feel a lot more confident that we could get back to 
business, that our economy can get back to work, that we could not have these policies, that we could not have these stay-at-home orders. If 80% of the deaths were from people who already had other conditions, already had heart problems, I mean, we were hearing already that one of the largest hit communities is the African-American community because of the diabetes that they have, because apparently they have more overweight diabetic people in their communities and their culture, however you want to say it, than other groups of people. And they also have single cell anemia and other things that are prone to the African-American community. Uh, which, you know what I wonder, if that means that that is just true of African-American people or Africans as well, and it's just black people with maybe darker melanin skin or whatever, but that's interesting. Um, but either that's neither here nor there. There I'm going wandering again. Um, but anyways, going back to the point of the deaths, is if we knew that 80% of the deaths happened because there was other conditions, other issues that they had, we could have a lot more confidence in putting people back to work. I mean, we've seen data, and again, I don't know if it's true, it's always changing, you hearsay, and all this stuff, that a lot of people, I've heard up to 50%, I've seen things around 70%, but that seems too high for me, um, that 50% in that range, there's people that do not have the symptoms. They don't have any symptoms whatsoever. They, they're asymptomatic. 50%. And then the other 50% are the ones with the symptoms. Majority of them don't get sick. A majority of the, I mean, they don't get severe symptoms. And then the ones that do, they end up needing to be hospitalized. It looks like we're getting these treatments for it. And then the people that are sick. If it is true that only of that small subset who get, I think it's like 1% right now, maybe 1.5%, 2% that die from this, if 80% of that is from pre-existing conditions, then we know the people that should be isolated. Then the people that have these conditions that are dying from it and being the most fatal, they should be the ones that stay at home. They should be the ones that isolate and the rest of us can get back to work because then we that are, can get back to work and healthy can have the economy coming back and being able to have a place for the sick people to recover and come back to. And that's why we should be thinking of data in new ways. And it shouldn't just be content. To, we shouldn't be just content to say, well, it's just how it's always been done. But we should be asking, well, why do you keep doing it this way? Wouldn't it be helpful to know the breakdown of data farther, to drill down into the data and see these things? I think it would. I think it would be really helpful. I think it would be a relief to Americans if we could find out that, hey, if you're healthy, you're going to be okay. Hey, if you're sick, you need to take extra precautions. Hey, if you have asthma, hey, if you have, you know, heart, pacemaker, whatever, you need to be careful. I think just that those facts would be far more beneficial. And it's not like we don't have the infrastructure to ca capture this data. I'm sure we have the forms. It could be compiled right now. But for some reason, we're not. And it's very interesting to me indeed. This whole thing is very interesting to me, not just from the virus perspective, but the handling of it, the response of it, the media, um, the frameworks, the hospitals that are refusing to do it, the governors. It's just a very interesting, interesting case. Um, so that's what all I need to say about that. Let's talk about some investing. But first, I want to tell you about Kingsman Grooming Products. <laughs> I want to tell you about one of their products. It's this hairbrush. I don't know if you can or it's a beard brush. It has a logo on it. It's really cool. It has a brush. You put it on your face. My son loves this. And he wants, he goes and he's like, I want it. And he puts it on his hair and he brushes his hair. And then he tells me to do it. And then he tells me to do it to him. And then he tells his mom to do it. And anyways, you can get a beard brush like this if you have a kid. It could be a great toy. Tons of other products like that in the back. 
pre-shave products, after-shave products, lotions, beard balms, beard oils. I wear them all, and it makes my face feel fantastic. I absolutely love it. Check it out, Christian Company, and you get 10% off when you use HGBT. So go to kingsmangroomingpros.com, put in HGBT, get 10% off, and you'll get tons of great products. And you'll be supporting a Christian company. And that's just all wonderful things. 10% off, support a Christian company, and have great quality products for yourself. All right, so I'm just going to run through some very basics to investing. And one of the questions I get the most is, how do I start? And Well, it's very simple and you think about it like a platform and one of the places i use is Robinhood. and people ask me why do you use Robinhood? it's not the best but it is one of the most simplistic i use it because they used to be the one with the free trades you buy and sell stocks for free used to be where you'd have to pay a commission every time you bought and sold stocks but now with Robinhood doing it other brokerages have done it as well but i still like it because you can use it on your phone you can use it on your app it's very straightforward it's not overwhelming but you will have to do your research on other platforms you do other companies other organizations will have research you need to supplement because they don't have it all you can pay for it but um but i would recommend doing the research in other places but if you take robin hood for example i'll put the link in the show notes actually and if you want you click on the link and you sign up and you go through the process without putting any money in you can sign up and get a free stock and just see what it's like and you can watch your stock for a couple weeks and just see how it performs in today's world and uh, just get a feel for what it's like to own a stock. And sometimes I've even gotten Berkshire Hathaway once. It was like a $250 stock. So basically you get $250. Um, but I've also seen low-end stocks too. But you get a free stock, which is a cool way to just start where you don't have to put any money in. And you could just see it, see how the platform works, things like that. Um, but so you would sign up for your account. Let's just use Robinhood as the example. You sign up for your account. And then you have to put money into the account. Now, when you put money into your brokerage firm, and Robinhood in this case, um, but there's like others, there's Fidelity, E-Trade, all of this. And when you put your money in, you don't like lose it. It's still your money. It's like a bank account. It's a financial account for you. So if you deposited, let's just say like $100 into your Robinhood account, the money isn't lost. You can transfer it back to your bank. You know, they may have some like delays, like it takes three days to transfer into Robinhood but they may take three to four business days to transfer back to your bank, but you can get it back. It's not like it's stuck. It's not like you um, have to spend it or anything like that. So you can just put it in there and you don't have to feel like you have to pay anything. The next thing people ask me is how much money do I need to invest? And the answer is as little as the stock price of a stock that you want to buy. And for example, Disney, let's see, I think I have Disney pulled up right now. Disney is $180.10 a share. So if you would want to buy one share of Disney, which they have millions of shares out there. So let's just say there's a million shares of Disney out there. I don't know how many shares outstanding they have. But if they had a million shares outstanding, then you can own one millionth percent or one, one, one millionth share of Disney for $108.10. That's all you would need, $108. But you might, oh, $108, that's kind of expensive for one share in a company. Well, there's other ways you could do this. Like one of the examples or one of the things that I encourage people to do is to invest in mutual funds, index funds, 
For example, ProShares Ultra Pro Dow 30, which the trading symbol, which is how you search for stocks, is UDOW. And it's $50 and $0.24 today as of recording this. Now, you could buy that for $50.24, but you don't own just one share of one company. You are trading on the index of the Dow. So the Dow is made up of 30 companies, and they're weighted definitely. I don't like using it as a measurement, but I do have uh, some options for the UDAO, and it's doing pretty well now. But that's a way to diversify. So you can just spend 50. So instead of spending $100 on Disney and have one share one company, you can spend $50 and have a small piece of 30 stocks, essentially, effectively is what you're doing. And if that's too much for you, you can go look at, let's just say Ford. I love my Ford truck. I'm a big uh, Ford guy. Their trade symbol is just simply F because they're like one of the originals. Their stock's trading for $5.10 right now. And I just bring this up because it shouldn't be intimidating for you. There's a learning curve. You definitely are going to have to get a feel for things. But you could invest in Ford, which has been around forever, right now for five bucks. You could deposit. I, I Actually, I don't know what the if there is a minimum to deposit in Robinhood or any other brokerage account. Um, but let's just say you didn't have a minimum. You could literally deposit $5.10, buy a share right now as it's, as it fluctuates, it's going to, you know, by the time you get money deposited, it's going to change. But right now at $5.10 and you could be an investor, you could be investing. You would have a portfolio for lack of a better word, even though it's one stock. Obviously you want to diversify, but it's that simple of signing up for the account, you go through the financial stuff, just like opening a bank account, it's just as secure, it's not a trap, it's not a con, it's nothing like that, you can deposit your money, you can withdraw your money whenever you want, and you can find stocks of companies that you love, companies you believe in, companies you've done research for, and put in as little as $5.10, or you can put in a little more money and get into mutual funds, get into index funds, Get into ETFs where they will diversify the money for you. And one of my advice, and I'll just end it here because, again, we're just doing the basics. We can do more complicated stuff if you have any questions or whatever. Um, but if you make under 100000 I mean, not make. If you have less than $100,000 to invest, you should be in mutual funds. You should be in index funds like the UDAO. SPY is the S&P 500. It's one of them. Uh, I have options for that as well, just full disclosure. Uh, or one of those kinds of funds so you can diversify because you cannot technically, you, in my opinion, you cannot properly diversify with less than $100,000 unless you're in some kind of mutual fund. That's my opinion. Um, so sign up, click the link, get a free stock, and just wait and see how it does and perform so you can get an idea from it. Maybe put in some more money and just like 100 bucks and see how it does. Get into a SPY, get into UDAO, get into another mutual fund that you've done research on. And just get your foot in the water. That's one of the most important things. Right now is the time to buy. We are so oversold, in my opinion. I would highly suggest you consider doing that the same. And just remember that when you sell your stocks, there's tax implications. If you sell your stock within a year, there is it is taxed as normal, normal um, income. If you do it 
after a year, if you sell it after a year, then it becomes capital gains and it's at, at a, usually at a lower tax rate than what you would be taxed. Talk to a financial advisor, talk to your tax accountant for that. Uh, yeah, okay, so we're gonna have to just close it there. If you have any questions, email me, Matt, at howtobuild10.com. Find me on all the social media sites, How to Build 10. Please subscribe if you like this. Subscribe, like the show. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you.